we're doing here. Just leave it. No. Just okay. Is that all right? That's fine, yeah. Not Do you want to wave to your personal camera over there? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's crack on then. That'll be the trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Claret and Blue. I'm Dan Rowlandson, joined by a special guest for the channel, Dan Bardell. Welcome. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Good. Looking yeah. forward to talking to you. We did a podcast together in our old offices in February 2020. And that's probably one of the last times we physically saw each other in person. It's been the a day while. Yeah, the Leicester semi-final, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. So obviously well, we, just before the, yeah. the lockdowns of March. We're in a new Birmingham Live office today. It's the first time here. It's very swanky. It's very nice. Um, and we're here just for... A bit of a catch-up, really. I've got nothing prepped, really. We're going to talk a little bit about Villa, obviously, um, and kind of how things have been over the last few years. I asked you in that, like, in five years' time, what will you be doing from, like, a media perspective? It's like, oh, I don't know, like, I, if I'm not doing it full-time, I feel like a failure and all these things. And it, it's almost like a bit of a, uh, a mental health chat as well we had in, in that episode as well. Yeah. About, like, the social media kind of pressures and stuff like that. So it's almost like an update on that, what's happened since then and what sort of plans moving forward as well. You've become a full-time presenter since then. Haven't you? Yeah, 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 you've, I have, yeah. You've, you've cracked what I wanted to do. <laughs> 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 yeah, you wanted to do this full-time. I'm going to become a video editor. Doing it full-time instead. Um, before we get into all that, though, let's talk about Villa. Yeah. Uh, how good was last season, from your perspective? I mean, I didn't enjoy the first three months of the well, season yeah, very much. I kind of put that to one side. It felt like about kind of three different seasons, four different seasons, they even rolled in, into one. It was obviously a unique season anyway because of the, the World Cup taking part, taking place in in winter. So I think that broke it up a little, a little bit. Emery kind of had just come in, hadn't he? We'd had two games just before, just before the World Cup broke. We won them both. And then there was suddenly this break. And then we came back... And we weren't quite. We we had a bit of a sticky patch up at, at one point. It, you could see what Emery was trying to do. I don't think the players had got totally to grips with it in January. But then suddenly, it just it just clicked. Teething problems, Didn't you would call it. Yeah, but you? I remember saying at the, at the time, like I think this will be a, this will be a good thing that we've gone through this, and this will be a plus one day. Mm. Now I didn't, for the life of me, think. This will be a plus this season, and we'll get through these teething problems, and we'll qualify for Europe. I think. I'd have been looking at qualifying for Europe this season, coming as being the being the ambition, maybe getting the Conference League. So to have already done that is just huge for for the football club and huge for like it just tells you everything that you need to know about the manager, doesn't it? And and, and mm. how good he is. He will. I already know he will go down as the best manager I've ever seen at Villa. I just I just know that, and we'll come on to transfers and stuff, I'm sure. But I've just got like a full trust in him. Yeah, like people lose their mind over transfers and you're being linked with players and then they go elsewhere potentially players that the club aren't even in what are you doing you've missed out I was so slow off the mark blah 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 but I actually it sounds stupid especially when I'm about to go on and do the next six weeks talking about transfers on Sky I don't actually care yeah because I'm I'm glad you said that I just trust Emery whatever we do because look at January right Um, people were losing their mind that we Got rid of Danny Danny Ings. Oh, we've yeah, only yeah. got we've only got one striker. Then we signed Duran, obviously, who I don't really class as a senior striker. But we signed him. We like we've got rid of our top goal scorer. What are we doing? Then we didn't sign a striker in the in the last days of January. We lost a few games. People were losing their mind then. But just looking at that just makes me completely trust the process because Emery did what he did without bringing in many of his own players. He brought in a left back who I think was quite a transformative signing actually mm-hmm. oh, in the definitely. end. But he you know, he didn't reinvent the wheel, did he? He just improved the players that were already there and managed to harvest and create a team with what he already had. Yeah. And to me, 
that's massively impressive because you look at what Gerard did the January before where he was saying, I need this, I need that. If I don't get players who can do what I want, I'll just buy some more players. That was his attitude. Emery is the complete opposite of that. And look at what he's done already. So I don't really care how many players we sign because I've got full belief that we'll do well because of the manager that we have in place. Yeah, I, I've said this before, and there was a stage when we would do podcasts for Carrot and Blue, like transfer targets, who who what, who might we sign, who are the latest rumours, and I hate stuff like that. And it, it sounds bad, and I've, I've had comments before saying, like, oh, how can you do a transfer podcast if you're not into it? But I don't like the transfer window. From a, like a work perspective as well, like yeah. all the rumours, the constant kind of like, I need to be available because if something happens, I've got to go and talk about it. But just like the endless kind of churn of... Are we linked with this player? Because there's so much a, nonsense, a isn't there? has been prepared and it's all these different stages and the reality of probably nothing is happening. I like to start to kind of think about where a player might fit in or what it means for a, a, a teammate or something when it's that they're signed. We signed Tielemans, okay, what does that mean for so-and-so? What does it mean for this? Kind of speculating about certain players that are never going to end up at Villa anyway. I could not give a... Sh- with, with Villa, it t- tends to happen quite quickly as well, doesn't it? Like, I know, uh, Tielemans well. was done in, felt like it might have been done in days, but the press got murmurs that Tillemans was coming and then within three days I think we'd signed him Pau Torres it took a while to complete but we all knew it was happening but yeah. when it came out it was pretty far advanced down down the line wasn't it and it'll be the same with the the players that we end up signing obviously there's a lot about Diaby at the moment from from Leverkusen I think at some point a bid will probably get accepted and then it'll get done quite quickly that's how that's how Villa operate are you like as I say, like a lot of my work is based around talking about transfers and and, and, the, and the Premier well, League, yeah. and I love doing it about the other teams. But where is Villa a concern? Like my phone, I get text off people every like five minutes saying, "Oh, we've been linked with this player. Do you think we'll sign him?" And just like <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I used to care more, but I think since Emery's come in, I don't really care. Is not the right word because obviously I want us to sign good players, but I do just have now this full trust. But there'll be the there'll be players that you'll link with or you'll eventually sign where. As supporters, you'll go, oh, I'm not quite sure about him or he didn't have a great spell at Again, I don't, I don't think I will feel like that no, with Emery. No, with Emery, you wouldn't yeah. before. You'd be like, well, he didn't play well at, at Wolves or wherever, so why, why are we after him? He's He's been outcast at wherever he is yeah. with Emery. If he's targeted a player and his record of improving players, you think, if he wants him, that's fine with me. Like I'm not really bothered about thinking, well, well we need to hold him midfielder, we need this. So if Emery doesn't think we need that, just let's all calm down and go with what he thinks. Yeah, He's it's the like, manager. It's like the it's like the striker. It's like the striker situation. Is in January, everyone was like, "We need, we need another striker." But that, that, I think that was before Ings went. Yeah, as yeah. well, everyone yeah. was saying we we need a, a striker. But what Emery did and the, the decisions that he made actually completely revitalised Ollie Watkins. And look yeah. at the look at the second half of the of the season that that he had. So I just think that I've never had that just full trust in what, what the club do will be the right thing and it's whatever the job titles are and that hierarchy thing that that, that we've seen in, in, in recent weeks Unai Emery is the man yeah. he's the man at Villa and I'm, I'm all for that it's a, a memories of Martin O'Neill when he had complete control and then he left and it all fell apart the wheels came off but I think we're in such a good place now that I don't think Emery will leave but even if he does leave think Villa have got they know what they're doing now they've got the yeah. right structure in place at the club I would say yeah and obviously like we've spoken about Emery leaving and it would be you'd expect in a way where obviously Villa do well you've always got that thing of your manager is poached elsewhere rather than we're in a, a bad would, position and we sack that him. wouldn't surprise me you know it if, could happen if but Real Madrid or Barca are looking for a manager for example just using them as an example like why, why wouldn't they look at him because he's just he's done his reputation the world of the world of good I don't know about you but when we were when I got first wind that we were like that he was coming and that we were interested in him, at first I was a little bit like, hmm, 
Really? I, first, my first thought were when Gerard lost his job is, I want Pochettino. Yeah. That was my, my first thought because he was available mm. and there'd be murmurs that we were going to talk to him. So he was, he was who I wanted straight away. That was my gut reaction to who I wanted at the, at the club. But then you do your read and you look at things and you actually think, hey, Arsenal were rubbish after him. We went as well. Like that, was a t- that was a really difficult job for him to come into. The press weren't great with him. But if you look at what he's done, especially when you look at what he's done with clubs who are maybe not expected to win trophies and, and win the win leagues and stuff, which is where which is where, where Villa we are. are. Yeah. We're not we're not expected to, to win things. I looked at that and thought, imagine what he can do at, at Villa, because he'll get backing and he has and he, and he and he will get backing from the owners. The the club the owners are brilliant, like probably up there as the best owners in, in, in the country, I, I would say. And you look at the fact that he got us into Europe straight away. When we finished a point off Brighton. Everyone was raving about Brighton yeah, yeah. the entire season. We gave them a 12-13 game head start, and we finished one point Spurs off Spurs as well, the same. I know, not that people were raving about them, but you think... They were top oh, four, weren't they? Exactly, When yeah, Emery yeah. came in. Massive I know they, drop they off fell off, but, yeah. you know, they fell off a cliff. But we we went through and we usurped all these things. I'm very close to finishing top top six and getting Europa League, never mind Europa Conference. This is a thing that kind of excites me for next season, that in our end-of-season show, I said, you know, it was kind of like partly tongue-in-cheek but the more the more time goes on the more I think hey, it's possible I sound like Villa will have a crack at the top four next oh, next so. season yeah. and the people in the room laughed there's a few YouTube, YouTube comments again from opposition fans like oh Villa fans off on it again like saying they're going to get Champions League you mentioned that that 10 game or whatever it is 12 game head start that we had last season I don't know how many points we got from that off the top of my head was it 10 or 11 or something like that one like Two games, three games, maybe. So let's say ten points in the first from Gerard's era as a, as a rough guess. I'll well, edit in whatever it is for, be nine, for the video. Yeah. Emery gets double that yeah. uh, as an average two points a game. He gets double what Gerard did. So again, it's not as easy to say extend that over the course of the season. But if we did, I think we'd have finished a point behind Newcastle this season. Just gone, we'd have been third or fourth, wouldn't we? So, the season to start when Emery came in. Yeah. So why can't we do that next year? I know everyone improves and things happen and we get no. bad injury or whatever. But Villa will have a stab at it at least. I do think being in Europe will. Like if we hadn't qualified for Europe, I'd in some ways be more confident of pushing towards yeah, the top yeah. four. I'm not saying we are going to push for top four. I'm not. I'm not. I think we will at some point. It might not be this season, but I think if we could keep hold of Emery and he creates a legacy and a dynasty, and he's here for five plus years, there's nothing to suggest to me that we won't have a crack at, at getting top four. It, it, and it's there at the moment. I was on Talksport the other day, talking. I was talking about Villa on this occasion, and I said something along the lines of. I don't think it's going to be easy for Chelsea and Spurs to just come and be better than Villa next season. Yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea in particular, they've dropped an, an, an awful lot. Now, by the same, you look at it the same way. Like it's stupid that Villa managed to make so much improvement from when when their manager went. Poch might come in and and make them a lot a lot better. But there's a lot of work to get through there. Same 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 with Spurs. Mm. Villa, it felt like it was the the manager that was letting the let, letting things down. I'm not sure at Spurs and Chelsea. It was the managers that were yes. laying things out. It's the whole yeah. process, the whole the whole body of the club that I think I think it was things wrong all over the place. With Villa, it felt like it was it was just the manager that was wrong and that there was more to come from these players if they had the right manager and that's exactly what's happened. Do you think the drop off for the Europe the, from the European competition will be as potentially dramatic as some people say? That like if we go far in the conference league, we'll finish twelfth in the Premier League. I don't think it will be dramatic. I think it, it will affect us. We'll lose games undoubtedly. Mm. That There's we probably games. won that we probably won last season. Yeah. That that will happen. Now Emery's very used to navigating this, so to, to be in this position you could not have 
a better manager. If you were to choose a manager to have in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League, I reckon 95% of the world would choose Unai Emery. Obviously, Pep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? He's a, he's a specialist in, in those tournaments. That's what he does. And he knows how to navigate that. I think if you look at the, the drop-off that Villarreal and Sevilla, to an extent, had when they were in those competitions and going all the way in the competitions, there was a drop. That That's natural. But I just think with the tools that Emery's got at his disposal, he spoke about he doesn't like not having a game in the week. Yeah. He doesn't like Saturday to Saturday. He wants Thursday, Sunday, It's mad, really, because you Wednesday, think how got Saturday. tactically is you think you'd yeah. want as much time as possible. He, he wants that. I mean, you interviewed Cash, and he, he said about there's going to be some, some serious <laughs> some team meetings. There's going to be some long meetings, get some, get some comfier chairs. But as a player as well, it's just like there's not really an excuse to to not be able to navigate it. Yeah, They'll yeah. need to add a few, a few more bodies. Look, they're still... They're still light. It's well. not even yeah. bodies, is it? It's, I think they need a couple of extra bits of quality mm. in, in the side. I still think you'll see players move out. I think at the moment, a squad's not big enough to move people out. But I don't think the size of the squad is a million miles away from, from what we'll have. I think you might yeah. see maybe... The players that are going to move out, Nakamba, Sanson, they're not really... They've not played minutes for us They've anyway. not played anyway, have they? Like, you might see Dendon could go, who I'd actually keep around. But you might see... Then Don could go. You might see Bertrand Troy or I go. Mm. Then you might just see some couple of better options coming. Maybe people that are a bit more versatile in that. Yeah. Willing with Tyler Adams, for example, at one point. Maybe he comes in and replaces Den Donker and can do a job right, right back. back yeah. As back up to Cash. Replace Nash Young effectively. Think, think Concer will play games at right back this season because we're so strong in in centre. So we've got young players coming in as well who I think will form part of the part of the squad and will probably need to because of the European squad uh, registration things as well. So I don't think we're a million miles away, but in the attacking positions. We definitely need a couple of bits of it, of extra quality just because we're playing in Europe now, so we need European quality players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll get this video out as we're recording it. It's 10 past three on a Tuesday, so I'll try and get this out as quick as possible because things change very quickly by the time this comes out. We could have, I mean, the players go to the US this week. I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Um, so Wednesday. We could have signed somebody by Wednesday, Thursday, and then the dynamic changes. Like we were, I was kind of having a tour of the office before we started. And they've got these, like, I don't know if they show up on camera, but these like, big whiteboards here. It'd be interesting to like, do like, a, not like a team meeting, but like put the players, like physically write them out, do you know what I mean? And see where the depth yeah, is I've and things like that. Yeah, I've done WhatsApp groups recently to try and work out where we are with in terms of registering players for, for yeah, Europe. Because yeah. the, the rules are very different in, in Europe. Like you have to have those eight homegrown players. You have to have eight, home, not eight who've trained at the club, but eight that have trained in England. In a, in, in, well, in the, U, in the UK. Yeah. You have to have eight of them. Ideally, you have four that have trained at the club as well, but we, we don't really have that, who are over 21. We, do, we don't really have that at the moment, because even a Rogbenham, he doesn't count, because he was at West Brom's academy from, from a young age. It's so, very complex, isn't it? Yeah, we've got things that we, you know, we need more of an expert to talk about that than me, but we've got things that we need to navigate that maybe people haven't considered. And that affects transfer dealings and yeah, decisions, because somebody you might well, think, he'll, he'll go out on loan, so he needs to play. It's like, well, actually, no, we need him Chambers now to fill. is a prime example. Yeah. Like, on the face of it, you'd think, well, we've got four centre backs now, but the fact that he can do, he can, if needed, play defensive midfield. If needed, he can play right back. Mm. Carlos has obviously had those injury problems. He's counts towards the the homegrown quota. You think actually he'll probably stay if he's happy to not play as many games. Yeah, would Ashley Younger been a club trained player? Yeah, not club trained. Nah. He'd have been a 
He'd have been an association trained, I believe, is the technical term. Well, okay, you have done some research. We've all, we've all played football manager. <laughs> we've, we've all qualified. Well, you probably haven't. We've all qualified for European football manager. <laughs> I qualified for Europe with Sunderland once. I remember. And I, I, think I, got, I think I got to the Europa League final and lost. Anyway. Cool story. I, I don't know what we're, we're going to talk this video, because obviously we're looking back at next season. It's too early to do like a, a season kind of prediction kind of thing. But I, I've got kind of no, no doubts that we'll still be very good throughout the course of the season. Like we'll the, be pushing the, towards top six. Yeah, I there would will say. be some kind of drop off, and like you said, we'll be playing somewhere on a Thursday night, and then have Bournemouth at home on the Sunday, and we'll lose. And people will go, "Bloody hell, like, that's bad." But those things will happen. But I think over the course of a season, we'll still, if we're not kind of nailed up in there the whole time, we'll be around the top six until the very end of the season, and hopefully get into it. But I don't think we'll be a million miles away from the top four points wise. Yeah, and we're all talking about like Europe because it's a big thing because the club hasn't been in Europe for so long. But you go. Have a good go at the other cups as well. well. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're desperate to win something as a fan base. Like, I'm, oh, I can't believe that I was ten the last time we we won something. I was just thinking while you were talking there. Like, I think the last home game we lost was Arsenal. How long? How long mm. ago does that feel? Was it seven in a row or something at home? Yeah, we, we barely conceded a goal in that in that process as well. Like, we're we're in a funny position now where we're not used to losing. Yeah. Like when we lost to Wolves, it felt like the end of the world because we haven't, we haven't lost for ages. Yeah. Wolves and Man U, we lost two in a row, didn't we? But before that, we were on that 10-game un- unbeaten run, which probably won't go down in history as being as special as the 10-game winning run in the Championship. But to go 10 games unbeaten in the Premier League, is that is tough. Yeah, That is really, really hard yeah, to yeah, do. You hear loads of ex-players saying like how difficult it is to just like win games in the Premier League. Yeah. Like, for like a, like well, a week-to-week cu- thing, yeah, it's tough. If you, if you win a couple of games in a row in the Premier League, like when you're flirting around mid-table, it really moves you up in the league because yeah. back-to-backs are so big in the, pre- in the Premier League. To think what we did, that's why we got Europe. Because we, that 10 unbeaten is huge. It was eight wins, two draws, was it? I think so, yeah. That's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, that for, shouldn't be happening. For a club that was around mid-table, you know, Man City do that, you go, oh yeah, fair enough. For Villa no, to do that, I think they did win 10 in a row. Um, I, think, I think I said on a previous show that like, if we were going into this season coming up now and Dean Smith was the manager, and this isn't a disrespect to Dean Smith, no. his first time in Europe as well, I would be concerned about, right, if we go heavy in Europe, but the league form struggles and we do what West Ham did, win the Europa Conference League, but finish 15th, I would think, well, there's some kind of structural problems there with the club or, or the, the recruitment wasn't quite right because the drop-off shouldn't be that extreme. For Emery to be this sort of season pro, that's 16 years in a row he's played in Europe. He, As much as the players won't be used to it, he'll know exactly how to prepare them for it. So all these long meetings and the travel and things like that, if he knows that like travelling overnight so they get to sleep on the plane or whatever is like a trick that works better, something silly like that, he, there's no better manager to prepare the players for that. So whilst the players are inexperienced in Europe, because the manager is so inexperienced, I don't think that, that drop-off is going to be as extreme as some people expect. Now, obviously, no. yeah, there's a chance I look stupid here in six no, West Ham time. struggled in their last season. They had problems, though, elsewhere, I think. Yeah. I don't think Villa have that. No, no. And it's a little thing as well, which I haven't really heard being spoken about, but tag Emery away for a second. His assistant, like Packer, mm, yeah, yeah. he's won the Champions League with... Liverpool, he's mm. been in, he's been in European competition. Him and Emery had naturally. I don't think they've worked together before until now. He's been brought in because he's got experience of the of, of the of the Premier League. But he's got he's got that European ex- experience as as well, which is which is vital. It's massive. He'll know. I imagine a big part of his job is speaking to the players during the week, like being more of a more in with the players than perhaps Emery will. Yeah. He'll know the buttons to push and, and and things like that. And Emery will as well. I just think the setup that the club have got now. It's so good. It's elite. 
it's yeah even if it's not it's not far off yeah like it's where we were a few a few years ago like it's it's just I mean this is going to sound really disrespectful and I don't mean it to but when we were doing the Villa View and we were like speaking to Keith Wyness oh, yeah. I didn't really I was sat there at the time thinking this is great to be speaking to the CEO of, of, of Aston Villa when he was talking about the structure of the club and the Villa engine and things like that like, <laughs> I was thinking you haven't really explained to me what the Villa engine is there we've asked you a few <laughs> times now and I don't really know what the what the Villa engine is still like they haven't tried to jazz it up and give it any fancy terms. They've just they've done what they've done, made the changes behind the scenes. But I just know that they're creating something, and it's mm. it's going to be good. And this is going. I really think the next five years is going to be like the best time a lot of people have ever had as as a Villa fan. Because I'm a bit older than you. I say a bit. I'm older than ten I, years. I'm ten years older than you. So I've experienced a trophy win, albeit I was tested as a kid. Though it's not the same, is it? No, but I just thought because Villa had two Coca Cola Cup finals in three seasons. And they won them both. I was like, this is normal. Then yeah. they get to the FA Cup final in 2000. They lost, but, you know, it's another final. And I'm just thinking, this is pretty normal, isn't it? This is, I'm at Wembley every every, every few years. But the reality is that that's not been what's happened. But I just think in the next five years, the generations of Villa fans that have seen nothing. Max Stokes, for example, goes every game home and away. He hasn't really seen any any success, has he? He hasn't seen Villa mm. lift a trophy. We've been, we've, he'll have seen us in, in finals. But like, the playoffs will have been a massive thing to him. Whereas to me, the playoffs, I was I was relieved. Like it wasn't, I wasn't overjoyed or jubilant. Like I celebrated. I was with you. I celebrated. Yeah, a few you bit. celebrated. Had yeah. a few bit, you know I mean? But the overriding emotion was just relief that yeah, we were not yeah. in the championship anymore. Because realistically, it was a place that I never thought I'd find Villa. Yeah, and I think you saw two mindsets that it was kind of like for people of my age, you know, the the younger generation. We were like, this is a big deal. Like we've won a trophy yes it's not a proper trophy but it's something to celebrate we're back in it's the a Premier Wembley League. win we yeah, had yeah, Wembley yeah, win yeah, for exactly. yeah, we've been at Wembley quite a lot yeah. but that was the first time and it's kind of like the hoodoo of the year before the Fulham game was the worst I've ever felt at a football game to kind of exercise those demons oh. was, was great as well but it was kind of like the other side of it was like well let's not over celebrate we're Aston Villa we're, we're better than that and it's like because that generation has seen us win proper things but yeah. for like John who interviewed Cash the other day he started supporting Villa when like Lambert was here He's seen nothing. So for the, the, the fact that there's so many people passionate about Villa of an age that are under, I don't know, 23, 24, just put myself above that bracket. Just. I, I, I had the O'Neill era, era at least. Yeah, like the cup, near, 2020, near. Like we almost did the things. nearly men. That's what, I feel that's what we've always been, to be fair. Yeah, exactly, nearly, yeah, but exactly I just feel that. like Emery, I don't care what anyone says, not the Villa fans wouldn't go against it, but the outside football world, I don't care what anyone says, he is a winner. Yeah, and oh, I'll yeah. be on. I'll I be don't on. know how you dispute that. No, but people do because the art people are just they go Arsenal time, and I think he didn't win the league at PSG, and mm. people are like, oh, you don't win the league at PSG. I mean, to be fair, you should win the league at PSG, <laughs> but if you don't win the league at PSG, it's like you're completely just written off as hopeless. Yeah, and he had that combined with the Arsenal thing. I think he's on a mission as well. I think he's quietly very, very driven to just prove this whole country wrong. And so far, he's, he's doing it. Now, Villa are getting a lot of praise in the national media. Now, Emery's getting a lot of praise in the in the national media as well. And I just love, like, with what I do. Like, I do all football, but I get pulled in for Villa things as well, obviously, as well, because I am a, a Villa fan. I love that I can go on and be, like, positive about Villa. And yeah. if people say nonsense about Villa now, I can put them right about it like the fan base took a bit of a a, a panning for wanting Gerard out because he's obviously got friends in the media and stuff like that like we're not supposed to be talking about this yet but anyway I'll, I'll tell the story now because it feels like we've segued into it like I went on a 
This is when Gerard, the day Gerard, got sacked. Like, I went on to BBC Monday Night Club podcast, I think he is. So I was on video with, like, it was me, Mika Richards, Glenn Murray, and Glenn Hoddle. So we were all, maybe maybe got the order wrong, because there must have been a presenter there as well, in fairness. So we were, we were talking, and I was, Glenn Hoddle said something first, and just completely really, like, got it wrong. Was like saying the Villa, Villa fan base were basically a disgrace for wanting Gerard out. He needed more time. He'd have got it right, basically. And I started off by just saying, I completely disagree with that. What, you, <laughs> what you've just said, basically, is, is not correct. Gerard's taking, Gerard was taking Villa down. The club have done the right thing. He should have gone earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Took his headphones off, <laughs> slammed them down. He literally didn't speak for the rest of the time I was on there. He just sat there with like his, like, his arms folded because I dared to... like. Stand up for not stand up against him, but because I'd gone against Gerard. But <sighs> like, madness. so I, enjo- I actually in some ways enjoyed that time because I, I think the fan base was getting pan- panned in the media and yeah. like we've got to have a bit of time because Gerard's so pally with so many Who people. Better you going to get than Steve? Yeah, and it, Gerard? Was, it was stuff like that, and I just love the fact that Emery's come in yeah. and just completely shown that actually the Villa fans were Villa fans were right because if you get the right manager, this club can go somewhere. Yeah, I'll keep mentioning the, the Cash thing. Obviously, I want people to go and watch that. And it's Did a, you interview uh, Cash, actually? I wasn't sure that, uh, that you had. You yeah, had just, just 15 minutes with Cash. You mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, it was, it was really good, actually. Uh, it's kind of like a minor point in there about like the attention to detail from Emery, where he said about... Have you watched it yet? No. Okay. Be, when did it come it out? It only came out this morning. Yeah, I've been, yeah, yeah. I've been on route here, haven't I? Yeah. So there was a point in there where Cash said that... Cash. Matty said. <laughs> my, my pal Matty said... Um, when they're doing like the meetings and the, the the prep for the upcoming game, say they got Liverpool at home, then Crystal Palace away, and then Everton at home. For the Everton at home prep, they don't watch the Crystal Palace game, the game immediately before it. They watch the last home game. So okay. they'd watch Liverpool again. Because of that. Because they're basically playing two different, different ways, ways, home yeah. and away. So you would all kind of think, well, let's look back at the last game, Crystal Palace. We won 2 0. What went right? Let's do that again against Everton. I mean, maybe they watch bits of both anyway, but if they're playing at home and they watch the previous home game, which I thought I like was, was interesting, something that you, you wouldn't really think about. But again, it's that attention to detail. He's just meticulous, isn't it? He, he thinks that, like, uh, Cash didn't explain... Matty didn't explain it very well. <laughs> like, it's called uh, Cash. Yeah, Cash didn't explain it very well, that, like, um, Emery wants it to be, like, it's about the feeling as well. It's not necessarily yeah, just that. about that. the, 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 crowd, the connect, tactics and connect, stuff. Yeah. Connecting with the crowd, like, playing in a certain way. We're playing at Villa Park crowd. again, so let's watch a Villa Park game because it's the the whole kind of package. It's yeah, not just about what we record. did. Yeah. Like people, there was a point where uh, like, I sit in the whole end up, obviously. So when usually, well, the way it's been my whole life is they'll attack the whole in the second half. Yeah, I love that like the few games this season where They'd be like the was it New, the Newcastle game? Man, I think a Man U's first game where they make the conscious decision to we're going to attack the Holt first because actually attacking the Holt and harnessing that atmosphere is part of our game plan. To yeah, get you get you Newcastle game. Yeah. I think that arguably I've seen been a lot of games at Villa Park. Arguably the best I've ever seen Villa play, like the most complete performance. Mm. Like I think obviously people will go back to that Liverpool game in lockdown, but we weren't we weren't there and it was a freak. You look, you're not being Liverpool seven two ever again. That Newcastle game, Newcastle had won five in a row at the time as well and were going really, really well. We obliterated them in that first half. We completely blew them away. How it was only 1-0, I don't know. But you're right about, it was just the, the fans were part of the game plan, attacking the hole early, getting an... How many early goals did we score from attacking the hole in, yeah, in the like first the half? Yeah, like the graphic goals under 15 minutes and Villa always high up. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't just the hole end, was it? But specific games, they want to attack the hole first because that's part of the game plan. Yeah. And that's what I find that, like, 
what manager comes up with that? Like, no, surely, I don't know. I don't know enough about whether Pep does things like that or Klopp. You hear things about Arteta doing things that, again, yeah, get kind of the mickey taken out on social. Like, there's a dog at the training ground and they play. No, I like stuff they, like that. They played You'll Never Walk Alone at the training ground before they go to Anfield. But again, it's, it's psychology. Like it's all little like things. That. Brentford have got a, like a bench at their training ground and they have an old guy who's trained in psychology and whatnot. He sits on the bench with a dog and the players can just, they don't have to. Players can Is just this true? Sit, yeah. Players can just sit and have a, have a chat with him. Okay. Bet the dog. Like, for me, the dog's anywhere brilliant. Yeah, like, fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's why I should have bought Tebow with me today. Like, that's absolutely, absolutely. But, but you know what I mean? It's, there's little advantages that you're right. Sometimes from the outside, people will take, take the mickey out. But actually, how well have Brentford done? People take the mickey when Arsenal go to Liverpool and get battered. And they go, oh, look, they were trying to build up this atmosphere. Blah, blah, I mean, that, I did, anyway. did think that you'll never walk alone thing in playing in training was a little bit strange. Yeah, but if it works. I mean, it didn't work on that occasion, did it? But I think what Emery's do, whatever he's doing is working and I think he has got a human side to him as well and he's very clever like every interview after a game he says he starts with the same thing fans he mentions great. the fans yeah. he, he's made the fans like a, a look like I hate to heart back to Gerard, but it's relative because he's the one he's the man who came came before him yeah. there was nothing like that it was just a, a mumbo jumbo, a load of rubbish coming out of his mouth after, after every People game. People don't say mumbo jumbo. No, I don't know why. I'd, I've never said it before. I don't know why I've said it then. But Joe, you know I mean, like he's coming out with absolute rubbish. Like say, it's on me. Yeah, my favourite was Chelsea should wipe the floor with us. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, he's like, times. we're just we're not we're not far away. We just need these moments of magic. Oh, what's that? <laughs> I remember my old man says saying something like, "They're footballers, not magicians." But he'd come out and say that every game. Like, just give the ball to Katina and see if he can score from 30 yards. Like, it's just rubbish. But what we've got now is so good. And it's a, I think it's such a special time. And it doesn't happen often hmm. when you feel like the whole club is in harmony and pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And that's exactly what Villa have got now. Everyone is pulling in that in that same direction. You just don't get people losing their mind about transfers on Twitter. That's just the, that's just that's, the, that's just the norm, isn't it? But... There is that trust there. There is that harmony. There is that everyone is is moving in the same direction. Even like just like the players, the players seem like likable human beings. Yeah, Matty Cash, lovely, yeah. lovely guy. I keep mentioning Matty. Keep mentioning Matty Cash. I inter- I interviewed Matty Cash once actually, just in Did case, you? just in case you didn't know. Yeah, for yeah. three years before you, I think. I think, <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> that was for that was for Villa, to be fair, or for, for Villa's affiliates. But yeah, but you know what I mean. Cash, Mings, McGinn. Look at look at the improvement in McGinn. Like, he was getting hung out to dry by Gerard. Fans were giving him abuse. He wasn't playing well. He'll know himself he wasn't playing well. But you've got to give someone the tools to go out and do the job. And McGinn was just being put in ass to do things that just weren't right for him. Yeah. And he was suffering as a as, as a consequence. So I was at, the, you know, the big villa sleep out. Mm. So I was at the at the big villa sleep out with Tails. And uh, this is the biggest name drop podcast there's ever been between the two of us, by the way. And uh, McGinn and Josh Feeney came to say hello to everyone that was doing the sleep out. Now, I'd met McGinn before at Things for Luke, yeah. Luke Roper, and he's like buoyant, like, like bubbly, like he's a fun guy. You could see like he was just buzzing with everything, buzzing being a footballer, it felt like. You could sense that, like, and I'm no expert in psychology, <laughs> I need to be that guy on the bench at Brentford. <laughs> but, you know, I felt like he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I don't know John McGinn personally, but he just didn't feel like the John McGinn that I would expect to be yeah, speaking yeah. to. yeah. But if he, I bet if he was, I bet if he's at the sleep out again in this year, I bet he's completely different because the players are given the tools that they need to go out and do their job. Sounds very simplistic, isn't yeah. it? That's and what every, it needs. And 
everything's in harmony. And that's yeah. a wonderful place to be when you're a football fan and you support your team. And to feel like you're the you're the envy of people a, li- a little bit yeah, as well. Like people will be looking at the way Villa are operating, the way they're doing the business, the squad they're building, the manager they've got, they're in Europe. People will be looking at that and be jealous. Like I've looked at teams so many times over the years and been like, oh God, even Brentford. Yeah. Like after home games when they're celebrating, when we were rubbish under Gerard last season, I'm watching them and thinking, why are they better than us? Yeah, someone makes a sign and you think, oh, that's a clever sign. Like, I wish we yeah. did stuff like that. Tillemans like, on a free. Yeah. Like, you just think... If West Ham had signed him, I'd have been... Well, I thought he'd go there had, to be... I, I thought we had a bit where he'd go to where he goes. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it can change very quickly. Like, Leicester, Southampton have been the envy of teams in yeah, yeah. the not... In, the not, in like, fairly they recent the, they past. They the model. And they're both in the championship now. Yeah. So it can change. But... I think this manager is the game changer. Yeah, he's, he's the, the complete he, game changer. He's the key. I think there'd be times where you know you could have I don't know a spell of six games and you lose four, and with lesser managers you'd be thinking something they might need to change. You're not the manager, but he needs to change his tactics or something's not quite right. He needs to be dropped, or you start kind of kind of putting your opinion onto it as a supporter. Whereas not that I'm just going to be like, oh yeah, just let him do what he wants. Like I'm kind of just going to stay away from having an opinion, but like. If we did go through a spell of losing, I wouldn't see that as like a we need to kind of rip up the plan no. and start again. It's like just everyone calm down and let things kind of progress as they should do. It kind of feels a little bit like the, the way we've got into Europe early, getting promoted before we were ready, kind of thing. If we'd like, have gone up the year before, no, like even in the year we did go up, like making that massive leap into yeah, the, the yeah, playoffs. Like, well, yeah. We were all expecting January 2019 probably going to be in the championship again so to have that kind of quick turnaround in the second half half of the season and go on and be promoted as well was like we didn't expect this to happen this quickly we thought it'd be the season after probably yeah Europe's the same we were kind of thinking yeah he's done well but to get to Europe's still a big ass like let's have a nice end to this season and go hard for next year the one coming up now so we're kind of ahead of scheduling in some aspects to get into Europe and obviously if we go all the way and win it or win a trophy again that probably comes a little bit earlier than people expect so I thought like you Emery's going to need a couple of transfer windows here to get things going and kind of shift out the deadwood and bring players in who knows his style of play. And that was the first, the style of play was the first where the first instance where you you have that trust in the manager, where we're kind of sitting there going, oh, that was a risky passing out from the back, wasn't it? Oh, what's Tyro Mings doing? What's Martinez doing? Like, oh, I don't like this. But now you love it. But then you go, oh, yeah, just sit back, relax. They're, they're fine. They've got it under control. Yeah, there's a, there's a few. This is, I feel like I was learning stuff that I felt was positive, even when at the start when we weren't doing great. So I remember the reactions of the whole end. The first time we were playing out from the back, people were losing their minds. Yeah. Like, what is, what is this? This is a disaster. And that Arsenal game, we scored a goal from playing out the back. Coutinho goal is my favourite goal of the season. I think it was such good, good football. It involved the new left back Moreno as well. So you could see, oh, I didn't think we needed a left back at the time, yeah, yeah. but I was like, oh, okay, this guy's good. <laughs> I can see, I can see why we've done this because he's completely changed the way that that, that we can play now. So that game, even though we lost, I remember tweeting and I was getting Arsenal fans having a go at me afterwards. Saying like I'm gonna walk away from today, knowing that yeah, yes, we were the plucky losers. Mm. We did well against the team that's top of the league, but we were the plucky losers. That at some time in the future under Emery, we aren't going to be plucky losers. Yeah. I didn't for the life of me think it would be as soon as it as soon as it came. Some of the results that we got were a, were absolutely absolutely brilliant. And another time, which was before before the Arsenal game, I remember. Being sat at Sky doing the doing the transfer shows, talking there was Villa got the five minutes at the at the end because we weren't we weren't <laughs> doing very much and because I was on there, they throw Villa into the, into the running order so I can talk about them. I remember saying the words, Villa are in a position where they're not going to get relegated, they're not going to get into Europe either. Yeah, so yeah. it's just a case now of feeling out the squad and yeah. like a few people did, to be fair replied to me saying, 
we can, we can, we can get Europe. I remember getting the same in YouTube comments. Like, Don't go off the seas. It's like, I was, like, on, I was like, it's going to be a bitty season. He's yeah, going to just yeah. be taking a look at, at, at what he's done. So that was the second... That was the second thing I remember about in times when we weren't doing great. And the th- third, when we were doing a little bit better, is almost in some ways, not the players are meaningless, because that's stupid, but that Newcastle game again, Den Donker hadn't played for months. Somewhat, Kamara must have been, must have been Kamara that, that, that was out. He Den came Donker, back, didn't he, and then went again, yeah, Kamara. Den Donker came in for that. I think we just beat Chelsea, hadn't we, potentially? Yeah. Den Donker came into midfield in that game, having not played for months. And he was literally like seamless, like like he'd been there every week for, for yeah. the entirety of the season, and that just te- that again just tells you how good this manager is. Mm, I remember me and John did a podcast months ago now, February March maybe, and I kind of I think I was sat at my house and I was kind of like plotting out the future on the desk. I was like, all oh, this is good happening now. If if recruitment is good here and we appoint the right people and whatnot, if you look further along down that timeline, like these little moments ahead. I, if you got to love a crystal ball, I don't see how there isn't silverware for Villa at the end of all that. I just, I know football is not inevitable and things change very quickly, but Villa are doing so many good things in the recruitment this summer in terms of like, you know, Monchi and all the, the people that have come into the club as well on paper and all the things you read sounds like it's all going to be very good. I don't know how that, that club and that infrastructure doesn't deliver a trophy exactly. at some point. It has to. But even the, off the pitch stuff, like you probably won't want to talk about this stuff. Even Chris Heck coming in, the bad stuff. Like mm. I was in a period of transition with the, with the crest at the moment, but I like that he's come in and he's decided that that the crest potentially on the sh- on the shirt now isn't right. I like that he's not just gone with it. Mm. Took he's, the foot off the gas. He's, he's, he's like, actually, I'm going to take a look at this for a year, and maybe in a year we do we do we do something different. Because I don't I'm cards on the table. I don't I don't like the badge. That, that was that was chosen. I think it was a poor process, and I think the two badges that were there, the round one was always going to get chosen because the other one wasn't very good. I just I just didn't like the whole process with it anyway with the, with, with the badge. But I like that we've got someone who's come into the commercial side of things even and has taken a look at that and just said, "Well, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to pay for all this branding now round the ground and change the badge if we're not going to have it in a year's time because I don't think it's I don't think it's right. We're going to mm. review it. For, I, I just think it. Every, like I'm saying, everything feels. Like it's well thought out now. Yeah. Like they're heading heading in the right direction. What do you think? Because obviously, like again, you've seen some good times with Villa in, in years gone by in your childhood. Um, what's kind of the ceiling for Emery and Villa? Do you think? Because we say things like Villa are never going to compete for a title. We're not going to win the Champions League. You know, getting into the Champions League would be a success. Like what? Again, like managers managers shelf life at clubs is very very small, isn't it? You might get two or three years. I would love, and every club obviously wants their manager to be there for a long time. I would love Emery for, to be here for seven, eight, nine, ten years. I think it's possible. Uh, uh, Give him what possible. he wants. It's exactly. possible. It is possible. So what can be achieved here? Can Villa win Premier League titles? Can we compete that far ahead? Or is it just top six in the old FA Cup? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'll absolutely settle for that. But I don't think there is a ceiling. People are going to say, oh, typical Villa fans, like they've won a few games and they're getting carried away. But... Look, the Premier League undoubtedly is the strongest league, mm. and Man City are the strongest team in the world at the moment. Yeah, I look at what he did with Villarreal. Villarreal have got no right to be getting to the semi-finals of the Champions League and competing with some of the teams that they beat yeah. and that they were competing with. But he, Emery, got them, won the Europa League, got them to the Champions League semi-final. Now Villa are arguably a bigger team than than Villarreal, but they compete in a very in a very different league landscape mm. because it, it's Real Madrid, Barcelona and to an extent Atleti in in Spain. In the Premier League there's probably seven 
eight really strong teams now. But I do think you've got Man City, mm. but I think they're in a league of their own now. Yeah. After that, teams like Chelsea and Tottenham have just had horrific seasons. I think that can happen to to anyone yeah. in that league now. Yeah. I think Arsenal, just because they finished second this season, doesn't mean that they're going to... I think they, I do think they'll do well, but there's no guarantees that they're going to just con- yeah, they continue. they can finish sixth next season, for yeah. example. They're yeah. in the Champions League now. They might go far in the Champions League and then they pri- end up prioritising that because they've got to a semi-final one. So I think Man City are in a league of their own. They're, I don't think the, the gap now between Villa and those other teams is huge. Mm. And I think there was a stage when certainly when obviously we were relegated there's a whole division between us but when you get back in the Premier League and we have Tottenham on the opening day and they just had their new stadium aren't they? maybe the, the season before yeah. and it's like we're miles off Tottenham like yeah, massive infrastructure huge stadium the players that where we can compete and I always go back to like when we are at the O'Neill times it was us Man City Spurs to kind of one of us will break through obviously Man City get a takeover go miles ahead but us and Tottenham are kind of level pecking around that time like 08, 9, 10 I'm going to have to correct you on level, it's level pegging. Level pegging, what did level I say? Pecking. Level pecking, level pecking. Oh. Yeah. A, a similar pecking order. There's been too much time with your missus, yeah, level, 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 bit of level pecking. Level pegging. Spurs, Man City and Villa are around the same place together, but we obviously go on a massive downward trajectory in the middle 2000, 2010s. Uh, Spurs get a Champions League final at some stage, and you think, well, we're miles behind then. I would rather be... Obviously, again, this is all comes with the caveat that Spurs could have a great season and we could have a bad season. I do think Spurs will pick up under the new manager of Venice, but I do. But it's I, I would, and again, there's going to be some bias here, but I would rather what Villa are doing than what Spurs are doing. I just think there's so much uncertainty around Spurs with yeah. the ownership. What's Harry Kane doing? Yeah, Postecoglou could do great, but he could also have finish he's got tenth. to build a team. We've already got that That's team. I mean. We're, We're a team. Yeah. Like Spurs, it's Harry Kane, isn't it? Yeah, he's the main man. Villa were Villa for years. It Jack Grealish. Mm. Villa now it's the manager, yeah. and they've got a team. Mm. Got a team underneath that. I don't think we've got a. I would say we've got a star player. I don't think. I, don't, I think we've got yeah. The star man is the manager, and we've got a good team. Yeah, there's no one player that well. we rely on where you think if he doesn't play, Villa lose today. Because Watkins is the, pretty much the only the only striker. Although Archer's come back now, and I think he will he will compete and be a really effective player for Villa this season. Yeah. If we'd lost Watkins last season, that would have been an absolute disaster because there's no one, there's no one to come in and replace what what he does. The goalkeeper Martinez is—he's yeah, yeah. probably the biggest name in the Villa team now, isn't he? Because he's won, he's won, he's won the World Cup and done, done what he's done in his career. Martin, if anyone's the star, it's probably Martinez. Mm, yeah, he'd be the one. If he didn't play, you'd think we're in trouble. He's the one yeah. that kids all know, kids yeah. all over the world. Aston Villa, Emmy Martinez. But I think in general football terms, the star man of Villa is the manager. Mm. And I, I, I get the kind of reservations that if he does leave for for a I, bit, I honestly don't I, think he will. Yeah, but I mean, if he's plucked away by a, a bigger club, I still like don't think earlier. he'd go. I don't think he's a man of integrity and honour. And I think if someone came in for him in the next few years, he'd look at what he's been given by Villa. I think he'd start. He's not going to be afraid of though. No, of course not. Oh, but, no. but when you build your club around one individual and all, all of his staff are with him, if there is a situation where he does go. You think, well, what what's left for Villa? All the coaching staff go. The director of football is linked with him. Does he go as well? Like he's signed eleven players over the last couple of years. Do they all think, well, I only signed because we were in Emery? So I get the kind of reservations about having one individual and it be the manager. It would be the same if Pep left Man City, wouldn't it? But also, if if your star player is the main man, if he goes, you're in the same kind yeah, of boat anyway. Ha- look what happened to us under O'Neill. Every year we'd lose a player, and yeah. eventually that became unsustainable, and we couldn't. We lost O'Neill, and we couldn't. We couldn't rebuild from the 
case of, of, of losing losing players. We lost Grealish, replaced him in quite an odd way by buying three players, three none players of which played in, <laughs> three players, none of which played in Jack Grealish's position. Yeah. So that was quite that was an interesting transfer strategy in fairness. <laughs> looking looking back, wasn't it? But we lost him and we couldn't really recover from it. Yeah. Like if someone was to at the moment biggest person leaving would be the manager yeah but like I said I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon I think he could be here for five and that's not being disrespectful to the players because they've done unbelievable things Mm. and it's special that every single one of them has taken Emery's methods on board and he's got that buy-in and they've all bought in and they've all improved like that so the players are are important but Emery is that overseer he is the overarching main man at Villa do you feel like Villa are a club that needs that kind of uh, figurehead like a Liverpool have Klopp and Man United had Ferguson like that they were the club I think ideally every club would have that wouldn't they but th- you know there's a lot of kind of this modern approach that like Brentford Brighton, Brighton yeah. like we, we sign the players if the manager goes we prick someone else who yeah. does the same kind of style and we go again kind but of I thing. still think ideally you you want to have that consistency ideally you'd have a manager there for, t- for 10 years Klopp mm. what Liverpool have done with Klopp and they've had They've had success. They've probably not won quite as much as they should have done. Because that's Man down City. to Manchester City. It's <laughs> yeah. not down because Klopp's a bad manager or Liverpool are terrible. They're just unfortunate they've come up against this absolute juggernaut. I don't know, if they've been getting like 90-odd points and not winning the league, yeah. that's, you'd be fuming as a Liverpool fan. Absolutely, absolutely livid. But they've, you know, they've won the Champions League under Klopp. They've won a league title, which they've been desperate to, desperate to do. He's been there a long time now. Yeah. How long has he been there? He must be coming up to a decade. Eight, eight or nine years, yeah. Yeah, he's been there a long, long time. I think that's the that's the dream, and I, I'm hoping that's what we've got with Emra. Mm. I want to finish quickly on that. On the, uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about you actually and your kind of career, Patrick. As I can update on the last time we did it. Embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> but the last kind of Villa-related point was transfers, because like we said earlier, people love it. How many th- how many do you think we'll need? How many do you think we'll get? Uh, what position is the, the kind of area we need the most? How do you like assess the squad overall? I'd be surprised if there's any more than three more come in. Okay. We've signed two. Because we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. We don't need a total rebuild. That's not what's not what's needed. Okay, me and you are messing around on football manager at the moment and we'll probably end up signing about 10 players. <laughs> but football manager, as much as I love it, is not, is not real life. Like, that's not how you build. And I think, mm. that I think they need, I personally think they need a couple of attacking players. I could probably take or leave whether they sign a right back or not yeah. at the moment because I think they've got players that can play there and I think because of the unique nature of Emery's tactics not having a, another right back other than Cash that bombs on I don't think that's necessarily a problem because I think the way he plays I think Concer, Chambers I'm, I'm satisfied with that I think I think you'll see Concer play European games in particular at right back So because obviously we've got these other great centre-halves yeah, yeah. As, as well but I think in the attacking positions, Bailey and Brendan, I like them both. They're inconsistent. Yeah. And unless you're, they're sort of in a certain price bracket, aren't they? Which is still a hell of a lot of money. Villa have gone from like El Ghazi and Trezeguet were in a certain price yeah, bracket yeah. and they yeah. were inconsistent. Brendan and Bailey have come in who are in a different price bracket. Still not quite right. Not quite right, but probably delivering a, li- a little bit more. Although El Ghazi did deliver, and Trezeguet scores have been poor goals. <laughs> yeah. But in a consistency basis, like Buende is probably more consistent. And hmm. We're now looking at players in the price bracket beyond them, and that's the kind of players that we need what in the attacking position. they're positions. inconsistent as well? You go up again. Keep going until we get greenish, <laughs> about for 100 million, I guess. Um, but you, you you see what I mean? Like there's these different hmm. brackets of players. Obviously, Jack is at the top end of that for Manchester City, yeah. 100 million delivering performances every single week now for them 
we're now exploring this market of the the Arby's, maybe the, the Felixes on on loan. Mm. If we could get those two in, I'd be delighted, mm. absolutely delighted. And we'd, we'll sign a backup goalkeeper from somewhere. I don't know who it will be. Yeah, but we'll sign a backup goalkeeper from somewhere. Let's talk about you a little bit. Then we've done forty five minutes or so on, on Aston Villa. It's a good chat as well. Yeah, I felt like it was about two hours long. I thought we were no, there for ages. We've, talking we've about been recording for fifty minutes. So by the time I cut out our rubbish from the start, about forty five. Okay. Like I said, when we we did a podcast in 2020. That video was titled Leaving the Villa View and like, trying to get into doing this kind of work more often. Um, I asked you in that, like, what's like the end goal or like, how would you feel like satisfied by the, the work that you're doing? How much has changed since 2020? Because it's three and a half years almost since that last show. Like, there's been a lot happened since then. Um, obviously, you were doing the Villa View. You were doing The Athletic, 1874. I think you'd done seven episodes when, when we did that. That's come and, and gone now as well. So do you want to just kind of recap the journey, I guess, of the last yeah. couple of years? So obviously COVID came, which kind of put everything on the on yeah. the back burner, really. But actually in a weird way, I don't know why, but COVID seemed to work quite well for, for me. Like it seemed to set things on the, on the right track. So the athletics, suddenly we were doing like podcast interviewing ex-players and stuff like at home, sat, sat at home. I just moved house. We were sat doing these podcasts at home interviewing like Yedinak, Chester, Curtis Davis, Connor, people like that. So we, we, we did all we did all that on on eighteen seventy four, which was just on the athletic at the time. So I started doing that and I think it was different doing that to doing doing the Villa View. So I think I started to learn, maybe learn a learn a few things and then who scored, which you're obviously a part of as well. You 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 produce and edit that. I was lucky that Marty Lawrence was a he was in charge of the podcast who scored weekly podcast edge of the box and he's a Villa fan so he's aware of me they probably at the time didn't want to spend too much money so they didn't want to go and get in like a, <laughs> a proper like a massive name like a, pro- a proper presenter so they asked me to do it and again like working with Jonathan Wilson ev- everywhere yeah. who's like one of the top journos in the world and certainly in the UK like I learnt loads do- doing that and then I was lucky because the athletic just seemed to like me. Yeah. Now they had tons of podcasts going on at the time, so there was no real divine right for me to walk in and and be doing extra stuff other than Villa because they had tons of people doing in doing doing podcasts for every club and various other things. But I'd spoken to one of the producers a few times about I was interested in maybe doing something out. I didn't want to just just do Villa because I felt like I was I'd had more to give mm. in talking about football, but I was kind of being pigeonholed as just being the Villa guy which wasn't really what, what I wanted. So during the Euros, they'd made the decision to do a daily England podcast. So it's every single day. And because I'd been speaking to the producer and saying I wanted to I wanted to do more, I think he maybe just got fed up of listening to him. But he, just give him what he wants. The Christ. guy's called, called Tom. Like he, he just decided to give, to give me a chance. And I'd come up with a few ideas of things maybe that... Could, would could work, yeah. As an England podcast, so then tell you what, producer loves that. Like, yeah, if, if the, if with the a few things coming forward saying, "Oh, should we try this year?" Yeah, right then. Yeah, I just kept like I sent. Over, I remember sending over like a little document of just a few ideas that, that I had about England and the Euros. So yeah, I remember, it, I, I remember at the time, I was quite like, I'd got to a period of being a little bit di- disillusioned by all, just feeling like this probably isn't going to happen. You might, you, I don't want to be doing just like the job that. My, my job was fine, but I don't want to be. I want to do something that I enjoy and that I'm passionate about. I don't want to do day to day thing that I'm, I'm not really massively interested in. I had kind of a little taste of things because I'd done Facebook Live for Villa with Tails yeah, yeah. for a year, so I had a taste of working 
in in football, but I was I was getting close to like this. This isn't happening. Like I'm just I might just pack it all in and try and just find something else to 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 do and be successful at because I just don't feel like this is going the the, the way I, I want it. And then literally like within the next like forty hours, I got a phone call from Tom, that athletic producer. I was driving, and he rang me. And he was like, oh, I've got some, got some really good news for you. He's like, the, this England show has been commissioned every, every single day during during the Euros. And we want we want you to be a part of it. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll just pop up like once a week talking about England, which is which, you know, I was buzzing with that, to be fair. Like, that, that's fine. He was like, yeah, we want you, to, uh, want you to share hosting duties with Mark Chapman. He was like, so you'll do, you'll do 50% and Mark Chapman or Chappers will do, do 50%. I was like, oh my god! I remember I got the phone. I actually pulled over. I was gonna say, safe driving, seventy miles an hour tops. Yeah, pulled over. I put, I pulled over, and I was, felt a bit like emotional because I felt close to packing it in, really, because yeah, I just yeah, wasn't yeah. getting to getting to where I, where where I wanted to be, and I felt like I had stuff to offer, but I just was like, how do how? This if, no one, if no one gives you that opportunity, how do you do yeah. it? Yeah. So I did that, but then obviously England did really well. Mm. Which was helpful. More shows. Got to the, final, to the final, which became yeah. more shows. And because Chappers was doing BBC and Five Live and stuff, yeah. he couldn't do as much as was expected. So I ended up probably hosting like eighty percent of those shows during the Euros, and I was like on a few with him as well as like a contributor because I like to think of myself as being quite flexible. Like I think I can do, I think I can do anything. Yeah. But I can do both. I can. I'm equally as comfortable. Like being the person who's answering the questions as I am being the person who's asking yeah. the, the questions. So same for Villa as well. Like you yeah. sitting on a Villa podcast and asking 20 questions is like a bit of a waste because you could answer those 20 yeah. questions. So I've, I sat there and like, even the ones I did with Chappers, I was like just watching him. I was like in awe of just how easy he made it. Look, he's like chilling on his chair, like sat back, <laughs> like it doesn't look like he's got anything in front of him. Just just relax, just like firing these questions out to all these top, top journos at The Athletic. And, that was and, the other, and you. And me. Yeah, I was there as well. Because this was the other thing. Like, I'd obviously got used to working with Greg, but I kind of knew Greg mm. anyway. And, and Greg was just like the Villa guy, wasn't he? That's bread and butter for me. Yeah. And I was suddenly thrust into doing these athletic daily shows with like, remember Sunday Supplement on Sky? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not like, working with people like Ollie Kay, who was like on that nearly every week. Brilliant, brilliant writer. And like David Ornstein. I'm with all, Matt Slater. I'm on with like all these serious people. And I'm just sat there thinking, I'm gonna open my mouth and like they're gonna be like, who's this who's guy? Is this, <laughs> <laughs> this guy who sounds like a peaky blinder who's doing the uh, who's who's doing the, the interview? So I was a little bit nervous. I don't really get nervous about things. Certainly not now. I don't. Yeah. But I remember being a little bit like, what are these guys gonna gonna think of me? But then I just thought, I'm not gonna change what I do. I'm just mm. gonna be, I'm just gonna handle it as I as I always would. And I think they some of the they quite liked that. It wasn't not what they're used to doing. Like they're used to probably being deadpan serious like the whole way through. But yeah. actually, it was a bit more probably light-hearted than maybe the maybe the athletic could <laughs> Sorry, that just wanted so to be. Brent for yeah, a I know it does. Yeah. But it but it worked, and then fr- from then like kind of skyrocketed really because I yeah. managed to create a little bit of, of a name for myself because the amount of people who were listening to that daily show was like hundreds of thousands probably. Yeah. Like absolutely ridiculous numbers. So I managed to create like a little bit of an, a name for myself and then I was getting asked on like other things like talk sports to talk about England yeah. rather than just... So rather than just token vi- Villa guy. Rather than just Villa as a fan. Yeah. It was like, here's the presenter of the Athletics Daily England podcast yeah. coming on and, and and talking about England and it, it, it was brilliant and... um. From then, I got. I ended up getting a getting an agent because I thought this is the time to now attack these things because mm. I'm in a good place. 
after this, like what nothing might not happen after off the back of this athletic stuff. So now's the time while I'm doing this and sharing, hosting with someone like Chappers. Now's the time to get an agent. So I ended up getting um refresh sport represent me they still still represent me now leon man you know they, they rep some really good people i reps yaya torah yeah for example i like saying to people that i've got the same agent as as yaya torah but i think we've both got different strengths in the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the in the football world and it went it went from there really and at the end of the england run the athletic were really pleased with me and they were like oh we're going to give you some more stuff to do next season so basically the season before the one just gone ended up like sharing the podcast feed with Chappers. Yeah. He'd present two of the shows a week and I'd present the the other two and then it's big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is I don't, I'm never great at going back and reviewing things because I'm always like focused on what's next and worrying about not standing still and trying to trying to do do more and and do better things and improve myself. That's that's the way you know from the Villa View even that's just the the way I've, I've always been with it but I was doing that twice a week, then obviously doing who who scored. Suddenly, I was getting asked on Sky yep. to do like paper, like paper talk kind of shows, basically early in the morning, like talking about the, talking about the papers in the morning as someone from, from the Athletics. So from then, I started sort of transitioning away from being the Villa guy, but even though I was still doing the Villa stuff because yeah. I was still doing eighteen seventy four with Greg for the Athletic at, at this point, and then doing two other shows for the Athletic. But I still just wanted to keep doing the Villa View because I. I like talking about Villa. Like, yeah. It got to the point then where I probably didn't need to do it because I was using the Villa View as a vehicle to try and get into the into the mainstream media. That was what I wanted to do. But I just kept doing it which, because... Which that was its, that was its purpose yeah, at one stage. Same. We spoke about this in 2020. That's but what but I did. Matt Lynch has done, did the same. Yeah, yeah. Like He's got a great job now. I've completely forgotten what the company's called. Matchroom. Matchroom. He works for Matchroom, does some, does some great stuff with their content and, and working for them. You know, Tom Julian's gone off and done... The, the the Bundesliga, yeah, yeah. like he's the head of com, international comms at the Bundesliga, which is quite frankly ridiculous. <laughs> like, how, where did that come from? But you know, he, he loves it. So we all kind of used it as vehicles because that's it's hard to progress because so many people want to do it. So I think mm. you have to do stuff off your own back now. To, to get, yeah, people yeah. always say to me like, "How did you do it?" But we're putting some hard work, hours and, and time, yeah. doing stuff for free in our in our own time, like putting podcasts together and putting shows together. The Villa fans liked, but also like just I just learnt loads from doing that. And if I watched back the first show I did now, I'd, I imagine it would be awful and cringe, and maybe I'd do it wonder, and it'd be absolutely embarrassing. But then that's good though, because yeah, you, you want to see signs of progression. I always thought I could do it, but I probably thought I was better than I was when we first started doing the Villa View. Oh yeah, but that's a long time ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, like I'm a million miles away now from from, yeah. from what I was then in the way I speak. And I was going to ask you, because again, cause I listened back to some of the 2021, and it, I feel like both of us spoke differently. I only listened to bits yeah. too, but do you feel like you're a better broadcast? Can't even say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't better, think you are <laughs> a better broadcaster now than you were yeah, three years ago. Hundred percent. Like I always thought I could do the, some of the stuff that I'm doing now, but the reality is, back then I, I wouldn't have been able to. So, like having an agent does help and I managed to speak to Sky mm. after I'd done a few bits and pieces for them. I'd been on a fair bit by that point, just doing generic stuff. And then if something happened with Villa, they'd, they'd get, they'd get me on, but it was, I was no longer coming on as a fan. Yeah. It's not coming on as a broadcaster and Villa fan. Mm. And it was hard to get to that point, And that was the point I wanted to get to, but it's really hard to get to that point where you're not just seen as, as fan media, but in probably yeah. 2021, 22, that was when it started to, to turn for me. And then, I think Sky liked what I'd done and my agent spoke to them and I was lucky to get selected to be on the, the transfer talk, the transfer shows, August last year for the whole month doing them and then again in January 
Yeah. I did I got a lot more shows in January than I got in my first in, in, in August and then I'm obviously starting that again next week, doing six doing six weeks there. And again I've got a boatload of shows. I'm fortunate that the producer's given me quite quite a lot of shows to go on and sit around the Sky Sports News desk talking about football, which ultimately that has been what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Always wanted to work for Sky, always wanted to be sat around that desk at Sky Sports News. I remember doing it for the first time and bizarrely not nervous at all. Like live on Sky, Sky oh, Sports News. That. Like it's mad, really, when I think about it. But I remember being sat there that, uh, thinking, right, even if I only do this now, this one time, no one can ever take that away from me. Mm. Like I've achieved ultimately what, what I wanted to, to achieve. I found it like a great business to like work in. Like met so many great people, know so many like brilliant people, and in some ways, people like you competing against. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, for extra stuff. But I've got to say, the transfer team that I work on, every single one of them, like I, I love them to bits. Like he's he's hard, hard like Unai Emery. He's harvested like such a really good team. Like he's got like a you're gonna sure reply to this in some ways, but kind of got like a no dick policy. Mm. Like we're all just on the same page and we all get on and we all help the other one and we all want each other to, to, to do well. And, it, and, it, and it's brilliant. And like it's my favourite time of the year. Like I absolutely cannot wait yeah. to get back in Sky Sports News Studio. And they're launching a new studio in the second week, oh, nice. I think, as well. So I'll be a part, be a part of like sitting around this new fancy studio that they've got. And again, just, just like learning things. Like the first time I did it, it's like talk back. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. the first time, I'd never used talkback. I'm used to like doing a podcast and a present a producer being in my ear and just saying, "Oh, wrap, wrap this it bit up, up now," or just yeah. message me on the chat when you're doing it from home, saying, "I'll oh, wrap wrap up now." But getting used to that was like I was thinking. I remember the first time I did it, we had like a rehearsal, and I was thinking, "Oh my god, I'm gonna struggle <laughs> with this." You're trying to put a point across, but you got someone in your ear, like talking about cameras moving and yeah. let's cut to camera two now, and talking to the pres- the main presenter because I'm obviously a panelist in that, and thinking. I'm never going to be able to do this. But it's amazing what your brain can do. Yeah, I, that I can't. But you would be able to do it. I probably wouldn't. No, but you would. <laughs> I probably wouldn't. You would, you, would, you would be able to do it. You just kind of like tune it out and listen to it when you need to. And mm. it doesn't throw you off at all. It's really, really weird. Like having the earpiece in and having those people talking to you. It's quite quite bizarre, but I, I love it. And like I say, that is my favourite time of the year. My favourite, favourite work. And I, I honestly can't wait to do it again. Like I'm really passionate about Sky Sports News and yeah. Sky in general. Like... And, you know, hopefully some more stuff will happen. We've had conversations about doing other things. We've had some difficulties with contracts and whatnot and stuff in, 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 in recent weeks. But, you know, that's coming that's coming to an end now. So, you know, I feel in a, re- in a really good place now to crack on and go and do what, what like, things that... Like, the end of last season, I was doing Forest press conferences and yeah. Leicester press conferences and interviewing footballers for Sky Sports News. And that's what I want to do, a mix of things, like... I like being sat around the desk, but I also like going out and interviewing people. Like, I remember the the one day, like I did, um, I did Forest in the morning, went to the training ground instead of the ground, which was a great start. <laughs> um, did did that? And luckily, they're quite close together. Yeah. So I did I did Forest in the morning with Steve Cooper. Just like what a lo- what a lovely bloke. Yeah, yeah. What a lovely guy. Like my first time ever doing a press conference, and I'm thinking like. I'm opening up a Premier League football podcast. Uh, f- sorry, a Premier League football press conference. Hell, like, I never thought I'd be doing not that. A, not for your club either. You'd think if it was for yeah. Villa, you kind of go, "Well, I I've been to Villa doing guys, the other so. clubs in some ways." Yeah. I think it's, it's better in. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to do, love to do Villa as well. But you know, Forest and Leicester, like Leicester, 
I went to Leicester. Their training ground's a joke. Yeah, unreal. I can't believe they're in the championship. Yeah, like Big I did. Problems for Leicester. I did Brendan Rodgers' last ever pre pre match <laughs> press conference for for Leicester. So I did him. And Leicester and Forrest both lost that weekend. <laughs> and then there was rumours that Cooper was going to get the sack as well. I was like, I'm the Grim Reaper of press conferences there. Like, Rogers has got the sack. Cooper could, could get the Maybe sack. Maybe stay there. away from Villa, actually. Yeah, I was like, I am the Grim Reaper here. But yeah, just I loved that variety. And like, just being involved in the lead up to like a Premier League weekend. Yeah, and big. then I was still doing the athletic previews as well, general Premier League stuff at that point. As well, I was like, oh, I feel in it here. Yeah, because if you're doing like a who score preview and an athletic preview, and then you go to a presser, then you're doing a Villa View show on a weekend or whatever, you kind of go, my day, my week here is full it's up good. of doing the things I want to do. Like, this yeah. is what I've been building towards. Yeah, and you know, I don't, like, I'm not very good at looking back, but when I'm talking to you now, like some of the stuff that's coming out of my mouth is that's amazing, really, isn't mm, it? Yeah, yeah. Do you like, ever, if you'd have offered me that five, six years ago, I'd have snapped your hand off for yeah. it. Do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome? Have you ever experienced that? I feel like diary of a CEO all of a sudden now. The, yeah. The bit, I don't, I don't think imposter syndrome because ultimately I believe in myself. Mm. And like I said to you, I think I can do. I think you can throw me into any like environment with football media and I think I can do it. Maybe not commentary. I think I struggle with that actually. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Talking about football, you could put me anywhere. You suddenly said to me, now I've got to do a, a live podcast talking about Premier League. Mm nothing in front of me I, I can do it like I don't like notes Yeah, I think I'm better when I don't have notes and talking about things I think it's more natural and I'm confident enough in my ability to think on my feet Yeah, and talk about anything like, there was a time I went on TalkSport with Max Rushton and I was told it was, I was just previewing the Villa game and suddenly it was like we were previewing every game that was on the <laughs> Sunday and I didn't know that didn't know that was coming but I actually loved that and that's throw a lot of people yeah it probably probably would but I'm confident enough that if you ask me to speak eloquently about I can speak as eloquently about Burnley or, or Forest or whoever mm. than I will be able to about Villa. Yeah. That's my belief in myself and that's I watch a lot of football, I read a lot of stuff. I, I, I feel like I've got a feel of what's going on at each club and I think that's a that that's a positive and I think a lot of people say, a lot of producers and stuff say this to me, they like me because I'm quite unique. Mm. Like there isn't many Birmingham accents yeah, yeah, yeah. Knock, knocking around and I try and I sound like David Brent here, but you know, I try and combine knowledge with humour. <laughs> I try and put it, try and put it across. Try and be oh. a little bit funny and have a laugh and stuff whilst yeah, whilst yeah, I'm yeah. doing it. And people people seem to like that. So I'm I'm pretty fortunate. The thing I struggle with the most is like some months you can think, oh, I've cracked this here. Yeah. This is like I'm doing work every day, like calls every day, phones blowing up. People want me on this. People want me on that. It's when you have these the quiet times. Yeah, that's when I find it really, really hard, and it starts to creep to creep in. It's like, and you follow all your friends on on Instagram and Twitter, and you see what they're doing, and you think, oh God, they're like working every day, like doing all this cool stuff, and I'm sat with my dog watching <laughs> the US Office. Like, what's going on? <laughs> what's that I've watched a hundred times. Like, what's <laughs> like? Well, I was like, I'm not doing as well as I should be. Like, ultimately, I still believe in myself, but I think I'm not doing as much as I, yeah, yeah. I should be. I'm not doing well. What? Why am I not doing well? And is it for this reason? Is it is it for that reason? That's the bit that I probably find the hardest, I would say. Mm. Yeah, that's working for yourself, isn't it? That's that kind yeah. of freelance approach. It's sometimes I, it's I busy, want sometimes to do, you know. Like I'm desperate to to do well. I'm desperate to like. I feel like I've cracked it to an extent, mm. but I'm desperate for like for, for like more. I'm still not really where I'm a lot closer, but I'm still not really where I, I want to be. Yeah, like I'm not. I'm not there, and I've you know, I've obviously we haven't spoken about it, but. 
the Athletic are making some changes in the, in the summer. Oh, I've had a great three and a half year run there. Like no complaints from me whatsoever. But they're cutting budgets and changing how they're they're doing things. So I'm bracketing myself in with Chappers here, which is very kind. Me and Chappers are gone. Like we won't be doing it anymore next season. And the Athletic has been a been a constant in my life for like three and a half years. Like you know, I've had quite a, a turbulent few years in my in my in my personal life. You know, a lot of that's down to down to myself. Like I've got no one else to blame. But during all that, I've had this consistency of knowing that two, three times a week, I'm going to be doing yeah. the athletic. And it's been a huge part of my life because it's, they gave me a chance. And losing that, I was a bit worried about how I may react mentally to, to that. But it's actually, it was weird because I did. I, I posted on socials that I was leaving. And no, I'm not bitter about it at all because I've had a great run with them, like no complaints from me. Because in reality, whatsoever. that could have been a three-month thing, and I go, right, well, you've yeah. had a good run, let's I've, try somebody else. I love that company, like I love reading their stuff every day. Mm. No, they've no complaints from me, like they were so good to me, gave me so many like really good opportunities. They made me, essentially, I, th- I look at it as. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing the stuff I'd done now if that hadn't have been for The Athletic. So I'm grateful, like, but you see sometimes people leave and a bit bitter about it. Like, I couldn't be further from the truth, like I'm not bitter about it at all, like my time. Has, has come to an end and good luck to them and I hope whatever they go on and do I hope it's successful but I was worried like how that would where that would leave me but actually like from even just doing the tweets and I was leaving it's like people just assume that you don't need work because yeah. you're doing the athletic like three times a week yeah. but I've loads of people message me saying oh we've got some stuff coming up like I've had some really positive meetings in the last few weeks with big companies and stuff so I'm hopeful that actually it can be turned into a turned into a, a positive so you still mentioned doing the Villaview as a hobby there are some changes there yeah. as well. Do you want to explain, uh, again, when this video comes out, hopefully you've kind of broadcast this publicly anyway. If I haven't, I haven't. <laughs> if you haven't, you have an exclusive for us. Just tell me a little bit about those changes. Because this is kind of, not important to me, but like I was there yeah, at the beginning of that as well. So I've got like a vested interest here at least. I mean, you couldn't have left your baby any quicker, by the way. First, <laughs> first, time, first time I'd have been offered anything, you were gone, didn't you? Did with a real you life like, baby. You were like, here you go. Here's the here's the, here's the keys. You're 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 you and Tom are in charge now. You know what's interesting about that? Actually, I, again, I was going to bring this up based off our last chat. And you said before about like COVID and the lockdowns being like a good thing. And obviously, the health side of it. Obviously, <laughs> it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't brilliant for that. From a work, the work point of view, you taking over the Villa View just before that, basically, it was September to the March, and it was kind of this pressure of like, well, who films the stuff for us? Who, who yeah, edits it? It was a, it, it was a like blow. You go in. It, it was kind of like, we we'll just do it all online now, and we'll live stream it. Yeah, we, that don't really, we don't really need an editor in the sense of chopping clips together. It's just a let's just we need someone to press the buttons for us, but we'll yeah. do everything live because everyone's doing it like that. So. Again, we did that came at a good time because if you had to have pressure of who's the cameraman, who's going to put those clips together, or we've got a shoot coming up, who, who goes to do that for us? Yeah, it's hard doing everything online again. Kind of not save the villa view, but yeah, kind no, of, we did. Kind it was did. gone because yeah. it was gone. Yeah. So when we last did this, it kind of felt like the right time to to, to end it really because Tom was moving to Germany. Mm. We didn't know that COVID was coming and that we were going to be able to do online stuff because everyone was doing in person. Yeah. That was what you were doing. We, we did a bit of online, in fairness. We were trailblazers. We were, oh, uh, yeah, that's true, we were ahead, yeah. ahead of the game, actually. Yeah, yeah. But the, we were doing the podcast every week in the booth in person. Yeah. And it looked good and we had good facilities because we were lucky because we were able to, to use Sky, Sky booths. Um, so we did that. But Tom was going to Germany. I was doing 1874 for the Athletic and he was like, well... You're already talking about Villa somewhere. If I'm doing, people are watching, people are more likely to watch the Villa View because they're familiar with it. Yeah. A lot of people who watch the Villa View aren't going to watch 
Oh, sorry, I'm going to listen to AT and seventy four because they've already heard what your, my opinions are. Yeah. Although it was different because I was hosting with Greg, it felt like it, it wasn't going to carry over. And I what ultimately I was getting paid yeah. and building a career through doing the athletics, so I wanted people to listen to that over watching the Villa View. So Tom and I made the decision to to call it, and then COVID came, and then a guy called Adam Bates, who everyone will know know well now, the producer. Sometimes on air, sometimes not. <laughs> um, he got in touch and said, "I think there's an opportunity here with COVID. The games are going to every game is going to be live yeah. on the telly. You can jump on straight after and do shows. I've got a way of of doing this. And to be fair, Adams created like this really clever back end and stuff. He was just a, a viewer of the Villa View. He didn't want it to go. Tom was in Germany, so he offered us a way back of doing it. And we thought, okay, we'll try it. We'll try yeah. it, and it and it worked. Then we discovered within about three months that. Tom actually wasn't allowed to do the Villa yeah, View and yeah. had been doing it. The Bundesliga had like, rules and Tom wasn't allowed to, to be doing it. So he rang me one day and was like, yeah, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> we just sorted out like sponsors like Luke and Purity sponsoring the sponsoring the shows. But really then the Villa View just became like me and then all these other people that had their own channels, didn't have their own channels, yeah. well-known people on, on, on Twitter. So... We start. We just carried on doing it, doing it on in that way. Like it's fun, basically. Yeah, for fun. Like it's not unusual that you'll see me on Villa on tour. It's not unusual that you'll see Max on, on on the Villa View and things like. That. Neil's obviously got his own his own channel. Ty does spaces on or did spaces on, on Twitter. Omar was trying to do his own podcast as as well. So everyone had these podcasts, but it was just a case of they come on and have a chat with me because we were lucky that the Villa View was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The first YouTube channel, anyway. Mom's obviously was doing podcasts before, but the Villa View was the first YouTube channel. And when you're the first at doing something, there's advantages to doing that. So they were like buzzing to come on the Villa View. And then I've just kept doing it for years, really, as a as a, as a hobby. It makes a makes a little bit of money because we've got so we've got sponsors and, and stuff. It keeps me doing villa stuff on YouTube, which I was which I was keen to do because ultimately I'm st- I'm a, as much as I want to be a broadcaster and things like that, I'm a villa fan, I'm a season ticket holder. Yeah. Like I've had my same seat for thirty years now, like I still go every week so and ultimately those things you do in your own time you hear a lot of things when you when you do stuff for free it's like well you're doing it for exposure you're doing it to try and open doors and new opportunities but when you've already got the opportunities with yeah. Sky who scored at the Athletic it's going to oh, the Villa View's not going to give me anything more it's not going to get more eyes no, on me I'm getting not. it elsewhere so it is just for just fun wanted to do stage. it and I was enjoying talking to my mates about yeah, yeah. about Villa really and I remember like I, remember, I, I don't know whether you do this sometimes I'll like go on the Villa Talk forums or look on look on things and see if people are saying anything about me. I think my dad does it quite a lot as well, like as I look what people are, people are saying about me. I remember looking like someone had disagreed with the fact that like oh, he'd done Villa View just to, just to cut just to make a media career for himself. Like that's not it's not the right reason to be to be doing it. Someone had a pop at me. And then someone replied that I never really thought about it, defending him, saying, Well, he's still doing it now. Yeah. Like he did, surely he doesn't need to yeah, need yeah. to do it now. Like he's he's doing it as like a hobby because people, because there's there's a certain number of people that that enjoy it. So fair play to him. Like good luck to him. What's what's wrong with what with what he's done? So I've just carried on doing it because there are people that people do still watch it and people pe- people enjoy it. But then I do feel and these these are the changes that are coming. That like the Villa podcast market's become a little bit crowded, and in the last. Six months, let's say, like eighteen seventy four, obviously ended with the Athletic. They got rid of a lot of the club podcasts. Yeah, me and Greg have started doing. Sorry, Greg and I have started doing eighteen seventy four on the on the Villa View, and that's by far like the most viewed show. 
and that was audio only before, and you bought yeah, it. So you bought it, and we're well. doing video. So I'm still doing yeah. like the match previews, the post-match points, things like that. But if you look at the views, which isn't everything, but if you look at it on the face of it, across all platforms, 1874 is getting between 15 and 20k a week, whereas That's the big. other stuff's probably getting under. The other stuff will be getting a. 10k maybe on a good day of preview because shelf life on a preview yeah. is quite not not great as you all know so they're getting somewhere between 5 and 10k all in so I got thinking and then I've made friends with Dave Reed at Sky who's a journo for Sky Sports News he does the transfer stuff with me as well he's also a very good producer like he does lots of stuff he's a Villa fan mm. he started coming on the previews and then I just started thinking like there's not really I know you're like, I wouldn't class you as a fan channel Claret and Blue because you're a media outlet yeah just start so a job so yeah but then there's all these fan channels and then there's you, mm. Claret and Blue, media outlet, doing podcasts. There's not really anything else yeah. that's, a, that's a media outlet. I'd say Mom, Mom's to an extent is a, is a media outlet, but he doesn't do video. But then everything else is kind of lumped into one as, as a fan channel. And this is going to sound terrible and I don't mean it to at all, but I've, I've had to fight hard to get away from being perceived as like fan media. Yeah. And being seen as a broadcaster, so like now wherever I go, I like they say literally broadcaster and Villa fan. Yeah, it felt like because you're in a market with all with all the other fan channels. Look, no disrespect to anyone else, I'm not I'm not having a pop at anyone or slagging any of the other channels off. I'm getting like getting bracketed with fan media, which I feel like I've I've gone beyond now a little bit. You tell me if this sounds terrible or not. No, I think you so, you know what I mean. Yeah. So if you say talks, what go right? We need a Villa fan. Stephen Gerrard's been sacked. There's ten fan channels there. We'll pluck one of them. Yeah, you, but sometimes they don't. Let's see. So sometimes they don't want. A me like a media person. Sometimes they want a fan, yeah. and they come to me because they want the fan. Like that's like I don't. I don't feel that's. I am a fan, but I don't feel that's where I where I am anymore. I don't feel that's that like that's my space. Yeah. And then so there's challenges. I felt like there's challenges with that just because there's so many Villa podcasts and fair play. Like I'm not knocking anyone. Everyone can do what they want and start podcasts and do what do what they want with it and great. Like I think it's brilliant, and I think I'm by and large. Like the Villa fans are, are brilliant. Like there's none of this over the top rubbish. Yeah. With Villa fans, I think everyone probably offers something different. But then I've, I did feel like it was all starting to become a bit merged, and everything was coming as one. It was starting to harm me a little bit in some of the other stuff that I that I, that I want to do. The fact that I was still kind of doing fan media, mm. but then I don't want to stop doing it because I ultimately I like talking about Villa and having a podcast about Villa. So basically, made the decision. I spoke to Adam, and me and Adam are co-owners of, of 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 the of the Villa View now, and spoke to the guys that I'm doing it with, who all like Neil, Omar, Ty, they've all been like brilliant with it. Like we're all, it looks like there's been no falling out. Like we're still, we're still much, but I kind of said to them, look, I want to try and change things a little bit. You've all got your own stuff that that you do. I want to move Villa View Villa View away from being a fan channel. So unfortunately, like as a consequence of that, like. We like we won't be able to do it the way that the way that we've been doing. It. I'm quite happy to go on other people's. Yeah. But like I said to Neil earlier, I was like, I'm happy to come on come on your come on your pod and and and, and do things for you and talk talk about Villa with you. But I want wanted the Villa View to be something different now because mm. I just think it's so congested that market. It's not going to be called the Villa View anymore. You'll still be going out on all the same things that it goes out on. But it's I want to the Villa View brand is associated with being a fan channel. I associate the Villa View still with us doing fan camps. Yeah, like, I do, yeah. And the cold in the championship when we just lost 3-1 to Barnsley at home. Which originally was yeah. the point. That's what I associate the Villa View with being. I thought the best thing to do now, 1874 is the most viewed stuff that we do now on that channel. So change the whole thing and just make the whole thing 
1874. Won't be completely reinventing what we do. Like there'll be some different shows, mm. but I'll still be doing match previews, still be doing post-match shows, still be doing the big 1874 hour with Greg in the week. But just trying to make it more media-based and more more journo-based. Like, really, you could come on now because you're a well, yeah. you're a journo, aren't you? If you love me, you, yeah, you like just trying to make it a bit different because you're also speaking a different like. I was finding that I was speaking about Villa sometimes maybe in a, in a different way, maybe not doing myself any favours. Not that I won't say what I think, but you know what I mean? Like, fan channels are kind of one thing, and then I would do, do 1874 and be different. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, felt, I just felt like it was starting to... Harm's the wrong word, but I just felt like it was time to now just say, look, I'm not, not fan media. Yeah. This is what I do, have, have a podcast, that have a show, these shows that are more with journos and get journalists on from papers and like who are on TV and radio. Like, I did a few previews with Kevin Hatchard, who's like a, f- a football expert, and people really, really enjoyed those shows because yeah. it's different. Because whether I'm talking about a match preview or whether it's of the Villa podcast, whether it's uh, Love of Paul McGrath, Villa on Tour do their stuff as well, whether it's all, you know, we're all different people, but essentially it's the, kind of the same thing. It's a fan mm. talking about the club. I want it to be more like now, a, a, like a media entity and jour- journalists on and people who work in the media because that then separates it from being from from yeah. the from the fan media and it's like I say it's no disrespect to fan media because I'll be nowhere without fan media. Oh, yeah, we were kind all, of the start of that in a way. All the people that have watched the Villa View, I'd never have done any. I say about the athletic setting me on my way, but before that even, without doing the Villa View and creating an audience for myself on that and Twitter. And whatnot, mm. people following me. Like, I'd be nothing without the Villa fans. Like, I'd, I've got nowhere. So, I'll be forever grateful and love every single person that's ever watched even a second of, uh, of what I do. Even if they've not liked it and they've slagged me <laughs> off, like, I still I still appreciate it. But I just think that the t- time's right now with where I am in my career yeah. to make that change. So, hopefully, a lot of people will understand that. Ho- hopefully, that makes, makes sense to you. I know it makes sense to you what I've said. Hopefully, that makes sense to people what I've said. But I just think that's the right thing now and the guys have all been been brilliant like we'll all be mates forever like we've created like a special bond mm. doing the content over over the last few years but i just think it's things never stand like you should never stand still should you should also be always be looking to evolve and change the way you would do things look if things if things didn't evolve then villa would have never hired her and i yeah so i'm not comparing myself to her <laughs> but i think it's just the, the right time and the, the right decision yeah. now to do it and i've spoke i went to people and spoke to them about it before i fully made the decision i spoke to you about it and said what i wanted to do and you you said that's probably the the right thing makes to sense do. the villa view was started in 2016 and it, it was fan cams like you said and sharing the voice of villa fans that was the point to to hear opinions at a time when it was like we're not represented well in, in the national yeah. media Villa's struggling no one's kind of standing up for us let's give a voice to the Villa fans that was the point and people who have watched from maybe not necessarily the start but that kind of early era of in the championship will always associate Villa as the Villa View as a fan channel that gives a voice to Villa fans and yeah. if you want to move away from that kind of it's not about wanting to move away from it. I feel the landscape's changed Yeah. so if you basically now, right, the way the world is, if you want to have a voice about Villa, you do a podcast. Yeah. Because you can. Yeah. Anyone can anyone can buy a mic and, and do a podcast yeah, look now. Us. Yeah, look at I mean you've made a living out of it. Anyone anyone can do that. So if you want a voice, you can you can basically you can do it, can't you? Yeah. You can throw your opinions on Twitter or social media. I mean yeah, twenty sixteen's a 
it's not that long ago, but it was a very different time that there wasn't the plethora of, of Villa podcasts like it's you mentioned. Loads, and there's ones I haven't even mentioned that are yeah. like, absolutely people will probably take that as a dig. Absolutely, but yeah, I, I don't mean they were just the first ones that came came into my head when I was when I when I, when I was really after the two guys in Ireland that do the the I think it's called the Aston Villa podcast, isn't it? Like. They're so niche, they're so funny, they're so unique, but they've, they know loads as well. Like there's so much. Back stuff. then, you would, if you want to come and speak about Aston Villa and get your point across, you come on fan cams or you phone BBC WM. You come on that's, fan cams. You come on fan cams. We do fan cams for an hour, and then Rollo would cut it down to ten minutes, <laughs> and your opinion, your opinion wouldn't be heard. Oh, at he's all. chatting rubbish. Just cut, <laughs> yeah. cut that out. Ginger Lou, get rid of him. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, times change and things have to evolve. And if you want to be kind of seen as a broadcaster I and not just the Villa fan. You've got to change. I feel like, as much as I'm saying it's a good thing to do, in a lot of ways I feel like I haven't really got a choice. Because mm. if I'm saying about not being... I'm happy with where I am, but I'm not, not still not where I want to be. The, the, the Villa View isn't like Arsenal fan TV where you can do it and it's an outlet and you're making loads of money and he's created like an outlet off the back of Arsenal fan TV. Like it's, it's not a living. I have to be the best I can be and come across the best way I can with the other stuff. Yeah. So ultimately that's why I've decided to just completely rebranding you know we, i posted a video on my socials the other day just kind of teasing mm. what is great graphics from from lee haynes like yeah, nice. he's our graphics guy like un- unbelievable the nice stuff logo the, nice well. logo the stuff he's come up with he's, he's like well i'll release the document that he's done mm. like he's apps you've seen it like he's absolutely ridiculous the length like, like a time like he's got in like like, yeah. this wasn't what i wanted lee i just wanted a new, just just wanted a new logo for oh, these, these are the colors that we're i didn't use, even ask like, him for that video he just did yeah. it so yeah, like nice. Yeah, like, and, and just to like thank everyone who's ever watched the Villa View, anyone who's ever taken part in it, like, mm. like Dolan and like Dolan and Tom, Matt Lynch, the people that were there at, at the start again, like friends for life now. From you, we wouldn't be mates if it wasn't for the, the Villa View, would we? Like, and it's like the Villa View has been a brilliant vehicle for, for for both of us. So yeah, it's not a decision that like I, I made easily because the Villa View is a massive part of my life and has been a massive part of my life. But I just think it's time to to rebrand it and change it for the, the reasons that are just just outlined like yeah just time for time for something new and to make it a, try and separate it and make it make it a little bit different because people when greg's not going on about financial fair play i think people really <laughs> really enjoy it really enjoy the 1874 podcast so yeah and I, again greg's someone i'm eternally grateful for because he got me into the athletic because he wanted to wanted me to be the one that was doing the villa podcast hmm. so yeah been very very lucky you have to have a bit of luck as well, you know, I've had setbacks like like you will have done, like t- tons of setbacks over the years with it, but managed to be have a lot of luck as well. And fortunate people have liked me and took chances on me and let me in. So, yeah, hope, hopefully we do this again in like two years, and I'll say I can sit down and finally say to you, I'm where I want to. I'm where I want to be now. <laughs> I am where I want to be, but I'm not. I'm not too far away. Dan, thank you very much for your time and your, your honesty and your openness to discuss things. It feels like two very different podcasts there in one. Yeah. The first half about Villa was was a, was a good chat, but I like hearing about the kind of, obviously I know a lot of it anyway from yeah. speaking to you every, to every day, there, but it? it's good to kind of in, throw people behind the curtain basically and show them a little bit of what's going on. So thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone for watching. Uh, subscribe to Carlton Blue. Forget about all the others. No one else really wants to go. To there's, a new, there's a new pod on the block. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, <laughs> me giving exposure to that is like, subscribe to Cloud and Blue stay here only thank you for watching there's plenty of other stuff coming up from the, the pre-season tour Johnny's flying out to the US probably as we speak actually um, so plenty to come from that going back and watch the Matty Cash interview it's very good uh, thank you very much for watching and we'll see you all very soon bye there
Did you know that he, he did the Matty Cash interview as well? You should. Yeah. I'll you send it should, on the camera as well. Behind the camera. Okay. Subscribe to everything. Your personal notifications on.